All right, this is Euphoria. It's a podcast that invokes the feeling of euphoria, true happiness about all things. It's also a lot of other things that name, apparently. I keep getting tweets every week about what else euphoria means. Uh, Not that kind of show. Make sure you include podcast when you search. Yes. That's all we're going to (laughs) say. Of course, it's available on YouTube, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Uh, And here's the deal. We got a bunch of bets coming up. This is the weekend of resolving bets. If we fail this weekend, I'm definitely going on the wall of shame. Uh, Memento bet, the painting bet, the nuke duck bet. Everything will be resolved this weekend with only the uh, fanatic bet lingering. Super quick explanation of the bets just so everyone remembers memento one is him and drakers in the danish one seas calling them uh, the best calling them at the greatest mm. i think we agreed on a quick five second dance a champion dance uh, five seconds. it might be the volleyball one seeing as <clears throat> yeah. over there we'll never yeah. do it True. uh second one we had the uh painting bet painting one which is hansama and jesus have jesus a formal portrait of us think very like classic renaissance yes. portrait will be done here uh, as well and the last one is the nuke duck bet, where we have to dress one. up like oh, yeah. uh, a duck and sing and or rap. It's so true. We'll, we'll see what exactly we do for that one. Now, sadly, today, we didn't get a guest. Yeah, we couldn't get one. Uh, so it's just me and Dracos. Yeah, but, I mean, I, it's just, I just want Reckless, man. Do you remember last time we came on? We, but had we such have, a nice we have time. the cutout. We do have the cutout. Yeah. It's a nice cutout. I wish the cutout was alive. I wish. Like a Disney movie, you know? You could just come to life. If we just wish, wish so, so much. hard. Oh. Believe. This gag is kind of running out. <laughs> what's keep, happening? Keep believing. <laughs> I just no. keep believing. People in podcast land don't understand what's happening. What's happening? People on YouTube might soon understand. <sighs> Open your eyes. <gasps> oh, <gasps> it's alive. <laughs> Oh my god. (laughs) I am so happy. I almost cried. That's what you always have to do in movies. You gotta cry and then something great will happen. We are happy because like low-key we send a request every week. We're like, (laughs) is this the week he's back? Give us Reckless. Give us Fanatic where you at. And you're finally here. I'm so glad you're here, man. Uh, Thank you for doing our disgustingly bad intro. Uh, I hope that someone found it funny. Actually, it was it was pretty okay. It was not that bad. <laughs> Only people who watched the video will understand it. For people who did not watch the video, we hid reckless behind the cutout. We hid him behind the cutout, <laughs> which you, by the way, didn't even know was there because you you don't have or you don't watch with video. Or check but. it out on video a little bit, just so you guys can see <laughs> the set, so you can understand. We tr- do our best to provide those nice audio descriptions as it's to what's true. happening. There's three of us at a table. It's intimate. We're drinking water. Ooh. So reckless. How's life? Life is pretty good. Um, not even tired actually, because my sleeping schedule has been nice ever since I go back from Sweden. Okay. Yeah, my mom forced me to a good sleeping schedule. So what does it mean? Wake up at eight or something? Wake up at nine. Yeah. Ah, nice, dude. Hit, I tried to hit the, the gym. gym. Yeah. Hit the gym. Hit the gym. Healthy and wholesome. Mm. All right. How Healthy are like? Have you been like super gymming since you've been? Uh, oh no, 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 on stage. The first weeks I was, uh, I was really chilling. I was not doing anything. Okay. A little bit depressed, maybe even. And then ever since then, I've kind of picked it up and started going to the gym again. So what's the gains at? How much do you bench right now? Actually, I've been trying to cut lately because almost entirety of last year, I was bulking and just eating everything I could get my hands on. I'm doing that right now. Yeah? How is that? For me, it was really hard. I'm just eating anything. He's just eating everything. But you like it because I I couldn't. I I, feel disgusting. Yeah, okay. So similar to me then. This is the thing I don't understand. But I'm kind of fake bulking. I just do what I normally do. It's like, yeah, it's like not, and I know people always get tilted when we go too deep on these random off-topic topics. But here's the thing. 3,000 calories in a day is a lot of calories. And I need to eat like 3,500 in theory to Mm -hmm. gain weight. That's a lot of food. 
Yeah, like that's, that's not, pretty much what I was rocking last year. And that was yeah, that not, was four meals a day plus shakes. And shakes. It's so yeah. shakes, man. You do not feel good. No, I didn't feel good. You feel like you feel, feel like I'm stuck in the bathroom as well. Yeah. But I gained like twenty kilos in total, maybe, from twenty sixteen autumn to end of last year, beginning of this year. I went from like 60 to 80. All right. And All right. I'm like benching numbers. Come on, give it to me. He doesn't have to give his bench number. I think one rep would be like, wait, 25, mm-hmm, 70, maybe 75. 70 that was my, my one rep. That's pretty good. That's good. That's pretty good. Back like when I went with Coops, he was my uh, teacher in the beginning. The legend. You got to bench properly. Yeah. All right. Dude. Martin, other, God damn it. We ran this problem last time too. Deficio, uh, what are you at? You're back in the gym. Uh, so my trainer, it's an army dude who just got back. He was mm-hmm. apparently in Estonia because you have to be in Estonia if you're in the army for like half a year in case okay. something happens. Uh, it's really useless, he said. <laughs> uh, so after he's returned, I've started again. Mm-hmm. Benching-wise, I think I'm at... So we did uh, three times five and where you start lower and then you go higher Yeah. for this one. But what's your one? What do you think your one rep is? My one rep... I can probably get to like 70 or something. Uh, if Rectus can get there, I, wow. I'm i probably slightly wow. under him. I'm slightly under him. Yeah, I'm probably like 65. I'm not strong. Just a reminder, if you're watching this and you're like, oh, wow, Jim Bro talk. Gross. Or you're like, wow, weaklings. Yeah, probably. Can't it's... bench 100. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's these are sad numbers. numbers. Yeah. When it comes to physical fitness, it's you versus yourself, not you versus anyone else. So if you're better than us or worse than us, don't feel bad. And also, don't feel too good about yourself, Mr. 140 kilo bench. Nice life. Yeah, that's not cool, by the way. Yeah, you gotta nice, stay under 100. Yeah. yeah. Less plates that's to put too on. Much. You know? You're too buff now. We don't like that. <laughs> Speaking of benching, uh, you benched yourself at the start of the season. Um, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> That's a transition. <laughs> there you go. Um, so, I mean, we, we got uh, a lot of context when you did the interview with Travis about kind of like the initial decision and where you yep. put yourself. Um, looking back on it, like how do you feel about that decision uh, at first to, to kind of take yourself off the team? Do you still feel like it was, it was the right one? I think for getting the wins on the board, it was probably the right one, which is in the end the most important thing. At least... F- in my eyes, when I look back at 2018, I would probably be more disappointed if I played more games and we lost more rather than if I didn't play and we mm-hmm. won more. So it should have been the right decision, but I've had this feeling that maybe I should have just played from the first place and just mm. learned the champions like everyone else, every other ADC. So you say winning the, winning the games is the most important, um, and obviously winning the games gets you higher placement, and that's going to get you there. But if you could have, let's say, made playoffs with Fnatic playing the whole time, even if you lost those games, do you, mm. do you feel like ultimately the team would have would have cared if they had to lose a few more games for you to either get comfortable on mages or for you guys to find out that AD carries were the better choice? How much does like winning in regular season actually matter to you guys? And- for me, at least from experience, if you get first or second you have a pretty much guaranteed finals because you have such an advantage in your semifinals since mm-hmm. the other team has to show their cards in a best of five in a quarterfinals when you can just sit it out and practice instead and plan some stuff that they might not be ready for. So I would say it's a very big deal to get first or second in comparison to third to sixth. Mm. But I think first or second doesn't really matter. And I think third to sixth doesn't really matter either. Right. But in my eyes, if I played from the first place, I think getting first or second would have been hard with the current competition we have in Europe. I think if I entered a couple of games on first-time Heimer or first-time Swain, (laughs) then we wouldn't have made it. Because you you said as well, um, you know, if you kept playing and you'd you'd learned the majors, you think that would also have been an an option? Because I remember when when you did sub out, Mm -hmm. um, 
you did talk about how you wanted to start learning Swain and Vladimir yeah. and these kind of things. Like, did you start instantly doing that, or were you more like, no, I, I'm just going to stick to AD carries for a while, and then you suddenly felt forced, maybe a patch or two later? So just when they released the patch, I was still playing AD carries. I just continued playing stuff like Kaisa, even Tristana, I thought was mm-hmm. pretty fine. Uh, back then, there wasn't the Storm Racer, which was a bit of a newer thing lately. Right. But you could still, you know, just run the double seal item into IE. And that worked okay, I guess. Still, the Gwynsos champs were better, but it worked okay. Mm. So I actually was ready to play the carries for week one of LCS until Caps and Soas came back from Korea. And they brought this funnel idea with mm-hmm. them. They actually played some duo queue mm. in Korea. And uh, they thought that this was like the best way to play League of Legends currently. So pretty much from day one of scrims to the split starting, which was roughly eight, days I would say we only played I think one game which was not funnel which didn't really allow me to show my AD carries because I think playing AD carries in a funnel situation if you are not the one getting yeah, funnel, it sucks it sucks right yeah. so I was just experimenting with pretty much any of my picks that I play in solo queue which is not an AD carry so for example if I get out of field to top lane I usually like to play Orn if I get out of field to support I like to play Janna so I just tried all these picks on the 80 roll. And then going into week one, I didn't really feel like I had much ready other than Orn and Janna. And okay. they banned Orn both games. I know this is kind of new information because probably most people thought it was for our top laner. But the Orn ban in both of those games was for me because this mm. was something I spammed basically in every scrim that we played. Because I thought that if we're playing Funnel, the only thing that Caps needs to succeed is either someone that engages for him, which is the Orn, or someone that protects him, which is the Janna. So I thought both of those, those picks were fine. And I thought even in the Misfits game that I uh, played Janna in, I was playing just fine. I didn't really make any mechanical mistakes. I didn't really drop laning pressure when I shouldn't have. I thought I played up to standards and we didn't really lose the game because of my pick. We lost the game because we tried to contest uh, both side red level one when we could have just dropped it and traded sides instead. Yeah, and it's it's interesting to to hear about the Orn pick specifically. Um, and so with the Janna and then eventually the Karma, did you... I was first time Karma on stage. Actually, first time. <laughs> okay, well that answers that. First time Karma on stage. A bit of an awkward situation. Hey, hundred percent win rate. Yeah, right there. Didn't do anything, and I had to run like pretty much every wave because that Vars, Shan, TF, Camille, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. So that pretty was much game every just... wave I was killable. And, and you I were down like seven k gold. Or yeah, I just had, like, ran nothing. to my tier two and stayed there, <laughs> which is. Honestly, the job of a bot laner if you're in a funnel situation and your mid doesn't have prio, which was the case in both of our games, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. because I think we made some mistakes early. So, uh, so that brings up the question, right? Should I have been the one playing funnel? Because that's something I've seen at least yeah. from the get-go that people yeah. just thought I should be the one playing funnel. That makes more sense. But I think Caps is super good on the funnel champs. Like Maybe even the funnel champs that we played were more fit for his style than for mine anyways, because we played stuff like... Wukong, Master Yi, Nocturne. And the only real AD carry we played was Kai'Sa. And I think at that point, Kai'Sa wasn't really an AD carry anyways. It was more like an AP carry. So yeah. it actually made sense for us to put him in the final situation rather than me. Which is, I mean, it's, it's good to hear because I think there's a lot of people who wondered about that. Do you, do you feel like Fnatic had maybe the wrong read on Funnel? Because even when we saw other teams executing Funnels, they were still playing uh, a lot of bot lanes with AD carries, I think. There's a lot of Ezreal lanes, like... And in lanes that would well, rather... the Heimerdinger ones mm-hmm. too. And like G2 played like Heimerdinger bot lane with it. Um, and yes, some people played Israel. Yeah, well. so did you did you see any of this in 
in scrims, like where people were running funnel and had different approaches to bot lane and you guys just decided that the Janna was best for your team? Or was this something that kind of caught you off guard when you got on the main stage in those first few weeks and people were running a lot of the Heimer or a lot of these other bot lanes that would that weren't necessarily just about falling back and supporting the funnel that were more about focusing on themselves in their own laning phase? So I think uh, the bot lane pick didn't really impact the games too much. I think the problem of our funnel read was how we played our mid jungle together. Agreed. So, for example, if you look at a team like G2, who were probably the best at funneling, they used their mid jungle to pressure the side lanes. So they would take camps when it was necessary, but for the most part, they would push the wave and then just run to either side lane. And that side lane would just have to run because there's a Kaisen coming in, she's two or three levels above everyone else, so she will kill you even if it's, even at your tower, right? So uh, I think that's something we didn't do at all in either of the games or in any games that we practiced funnel. We just completely zoned in on farming and abandoning our side lanes, which is why I thought whatever I played, it wouldn't really have made that much difference. I know Janna was a bit of an weird pick in the end, but it was probably my best champion that I could just bring up out of nowhere mm. with no time to practice really, because it came, it honestly for me, it came out of nowhere. Like I saw 8-11 and I thought maybe 80 carries aren't the best anymore, but I can still just play them. So I kept practicing them for the one or two weeks before they got back from Korea. And then when they got back, they just wanted to play Funnel all of a sudden. And I wasn't ready for that. I didn't practice any of the other champs for this. And I've never really played off meta champs either. I've always kind of been a player who uses his solo queue time um, to like get better at what I'm already doing rather than exploring stuff that I haven't tried before. And I think, for example, for someone like Yarnan, he has been playing stuff like Heimerdinger, Singed, Karthus for years already. It's something he probably enjoys doing yep. and whenever he gets out of field, he just does it. He doesn't actually care too much about how the game goes or uh, how other people's, people are going to feel about him picking those champs. He just does it. And now that gave him a huge advantage over someone like me who always tries to play an AD carry if I can. And if I can't, I try to play whatever I consider best for my AD carry that is playing instead of me. So, for example, if I was outfield top lane, I like to play the Orn because that allows my AD carry to get all the resources and I can just engage for him later. Or if I'm support, I like to play the Janna because then I can protect him with the Ardent. So I was very zoned Such in. Such a on, team like, player yeah, like, right there. I wasn't ready at all for the 8-11 patch and I think that's why it ended up being so weird in week one and also why I ended up benching myself because I just couldn't keep up in the beginning. Right, because obviously that leads to probably the most asked question I've seen also from the ones you know we post on Twitter now yep. was like oh uh, Reckless says you can't play AD carries yet Uzi and whatever other like ruler these guys are playing AD carries and they're winning and Hans Sama played AD carries in Europe mm -hmm. Misfits were 9-0 and zero. so I think actually because I know there was a lot of discussions around you not playing some were positive a lot of them were negative yeah um, the whole idea around some people say you can play AD carries, but Reckless says you can't. I feel like you got misunderstood there a little bit. Yeah. Because, correct me if I'm wrong here, what you tried to say is you can play AD carries, but if you have a mage player, it's better to use him because mages yeah. are just better. Exactly. So I think for other people it was different because they didn't really have anyone else exactly. that could come in and play the mages for them. So they either had to learn it themselves or just continue doing what they were already good at, which was playing AD carries. Mm -hmm. And I think if I didn't have Wipo on the side or if we didn't have Wipo on the side, I would have done that as well. That would have just been a must for me. I couldn't just dodge playing mages when they were as strong as they were. So 
for us, it was a very different situation because Weeper was already up at his 99 to 100%, I would say, on most of these mages because it's something he's played for years already. So to get his place, I would have to become like next level almost at these yeah. champions, which I've never ever played before. So it didn't make much sense for us to, to play me when our goal was to play stuff like Swain, Vladimir, Rise, maybe some Yasuo in the bot lane. Like I have never touched these champions and I don't think I can reach higher standards than him in the amount of time that I was given. It was just not possible, honestly. So how did you feel uh, like watching this lineup from the sidelines? They still had a good performance. You know, you played three games now. Mm. You, I think you're 2-1, technically. Yeah. 2-1. Nice. <laughs> good old that first Schalke game where they <laughs> threw a Baron. Good stuff. But um, how did you feel about the team's performance when you weren't there? Like, did you see weaknesses that, that you could have solved being on the lineup? Were there things that you saw that you wouldn't have even considered they, them doing and succeeding? Mm. What was your opinion generally for those for those weeks that you weren't a part of the team? Or so I thought, stage, rather? I thought the team transformed from being very controlled and macro-focused to not controlled at all and very micro-focused, which was fine because the meta kind of wants that to happen anyways. Like, the meta um, rewards the team that is the most aggressive, the most proactive, the ones that goes for the crazy plays. Like, if you pull off a dive in the early game, regardless of where it is, it will give you a huge advantage. Before, it would be if you get a bot lane dive off and you get your 80 carry ahead, then that will reward you in about 20 minutes of time. Top lane wouldn't be existent and mid lane would be more of a pressure point than something you wanted to play towards. Meanwhile, now I feel like you have a lot of choices. You can go to pretty much any lane you want and whoever gets ahead has the option of carrying. So in a way, the game has actually become a better game, in my eyes at least, because I feel like it just allows more people to take part and you can clearly see now who's a good player and who isn't. But for my situation back then, it was just... Like, there was just no way I was going to make that work. And I thought it was fine. Like, I thought they were playing fine. I was pretty happy for them that they were successful without me. But at the same time, it felt like maybe this is the end, in a way. Like, mm -hmm. maybe oh. Raya doesn't fix this. And I will be in a situation where either I have to actually learn these things and get better at them than Wipo, or I won't be playing anymore. And I thought that was probably my lowest point of this whole situation that I ended up in when I was actually considering like just leaving League of Legends completely or maybe going into coaching, I don't know. It was never casting. really like, uh, yeah, or casting. Like it was never really at that point, but retiring was definitely in my mind because I just don't have the interest anymore in the game in that way. Like if I was a rookie, I think I would have been fine with the changes because then I would have had the, the drive to relearn the game mm. and I didn't really have a legacy to fall back on or... I didn't really have these seven years of experience that I have now to get wins with. So but for you at this point, is it just that you like that you just enjoy eighty carry and that's what you like about League of Legends and that's what keeps you playing? And so like everything else is just you're not willing to go. Honestly, to I, I feel like the game is not that fun anymore. I think solo queue, for example, is just like it's tragic, man. Like playing this stuff is just I just don't want to do it anymore. And so, I know I still have to because it's a huge advantage mm -hmm. if you do spend the hours. But I just don't feel like the game is that fun anymore. So what what do you think when you like look back at whatever you thought was like the peak time for you in League of Legends? What is it? Can you identify anything that like changed for you that made it a different experience? Was it because I mean there's so there's so many threads across so many patches where people complain about so many different things, either genuinely from themselves or parroting their favorite streamer. But I, I'm curious from your perspective, like what was it that stuck out to you that like really made League of Legends 
special to you back in the day that's that's not there anymore? I think the reason why I feel like solo queue is so tragic now is because I don't feel like you can carry alone anymore. I don't know if this is an AD carry specific thing, but I just feel like you have so much less power as an individual. So for example, for solo queue, where it's all about the individual, the game has become kind of unplayable in a way. Mm. And for pre-made, I feel like it's still really fun because maybe even more fun now because you can actually get rewarded for working well together. But just solo queue in general now, I just don't want to do it anymore, which is why I felt like it was so hard for me to pick up the new stuff because I I just didn't feel like I had the like the platform to do it on. And I'm much more interested now in just using these seven years of experience, like these 80 carry stuff that I have going for myself. Like I would consider myself at least on top of the charts when it comes to 80 carry. So I just want to use that to get wins, get trophies and make like a mark, make a legacy, you know? Yeah. And when Riot then forces me to kind of relearn the game, then I just don't feel like I have it in me anymore. It's so interesting. Uh, first of all, because the thing you highlight, you know, it's hard to to win like on your own or carry on your own. Like a lot of the changes that happened going into the summer split was actually to try and push individuals. Yeah, that's why I said that maybe this is an AD carry specific thing. Could definitely be a 100% because yeah, it was like, you know, you get more gold as an individual and also if you get a shot down on someone, you get more oh, gold shit, yeah. for yourself, you know, the turrets, everything and... With AD carry specifically, because I actually, I played quite a lot of AD carry in Solo and then stopped doing it mm -hmm. also around this year because I I kind of had the same feeling as you uh, on something. I was also way worse, obviously, but <laughs> uh, just want to highlight that in case anyone is confused. Mm -hmm. um, but whenever you play an AD carry, my problem is a lot of the reworks and new champions all bring multiple ways to get to you. And even when they build like a bruiser, they kill you in two seconds. Yep. So I'm like, ah, oh, great, I'm a 280 carry, tw uh, two item twitch. You know, I feel like I, my laning phase was pretty good. I've gotten two kills, you know, I, I'm ready. And then you get one shot. And then I walk in yeah. and the first super long range Aurelia stun, just from out of nowhere, just stuns me. Yeah. She like ults me and then kills me in a second. And I'm like, great. Uh, I guess my two items and me winning laning phase didn't actually do anything. Yeah. Uh, now, obviously, you're missing the peeling and, and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, and that's like that's my perspective when I hear about this, is that like the ideal state, right, in theory, let's say if you're playing as a bottom lane, is that one half of the bottom lane makes up for like the tankiness and the peeling and offers the CC to protect sure. you, and you bring in more damage. And in theory, your two parts combined should be better than any two bruisers, in theory. But in reality, I think what it often feels like, especially as champions get more and more mobility, like new Akali, new Aurelia, uh, like Aatrox, if he somehow gets on top of you, all these champions feel like there's not, like you don't feel, I don't feel in control nine times out of 10 when I play against these champions, unless I know that specific matchup 100%. And that's kind of the thing where there was a lot of discussions a couple of months ago around tank meta from a solo queue perspective. Oh, it's not so fun. It's just tanks top lane. They're always the best. Even in solo queue, you know, a lot of tanks would win. Um, and then obviously Riot went in the direction of more damage, more yeah. solo uh, carry abilities. And now people are saying, oh, there's too much damage in the game. And I definitely preferred the less damage version because... To me, as a non-Bruiser player, Bruisers are the least fun to play against. Like a big a big tank, I know at some point in the game I'll be strong enough that I can actually kill him. Or I can sustain against him if it's like whatever, Cho'Gath, Mundo, that kind of stuff. Uh, but I know a Bruiser who gets ahead in the game will completely destroy me at any point as a 
the building is, is collapsing. <laughs> also, uh, support. Riot heard I said so. Oh, yeah, they're no. like, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, get well in done, there. Boys, we are critical. <laughs> also, uh, supports in lane. But I think you might be right. I think it actually might be AD carry specific. I, I don't know because be. I don't play other roles. But when let's I, say when I play supports, I feel great. Yeah. Like, it's awesome. But let's say it is AD carry specific, then I think it's understandable for me to say such a thing. All right. Hold on, guys. We're going we're gonna to come back to this in just a second and figure out what the hell is going on here with the thing. Give us a sec. All right. So we had a bit of a delay there as we sorted out some uh, studio difficulties. A we didn't die. Surprise skylight opened up. We were not, you know, smote down in an instant for speaking ill. So we'll keep, <laughs> but let's, let's take a spin. Let's talk a little bit about like, how do you actually fix solo queue? Like what, what do you think like would need to happen for, for you to feel like playing solo queue is, is this worthwhile uh, experience again? So I think the first thing that has to change, at least from an AD carry perspective. So for me, it's, it's a bit hard to say, right? Because I have my perspective, but I'm sure other roles really enjoy this meta. Like supports probably love this because they can, for the first time probably in Watch their entire existence, <laughs> be the prime carry. Like I think, for example, right now, support role is more important than ADC role. I should be the one taking the bullet. Like if my support wants to play Pike, for example, I should play Ezreal because that allows my, him to play Pike to the next level. But how it actually should work when you think about it, there's an AD carry and there's a support. The support should be the one taking the bullet so the AD carry can succeed. Mm -hmm. So the game, in a way, is a bit unbalanced right now, but I would say that maybe I'm biased because I'm the AD carry, so I'm probably having the worst of times right now. Yeah, but, but I would I mean, say the game has to be longer. That's, that's just the first thing that has to change. Mm. So they have to make Nash more balanced because how it feels right now is that it's way too easy to take. You don't even need an AD carry to take Nash, which is the first problem. Like, why would you be able to take down Nash with Amundo and Sejuani? Like, you should need damage from somewhere. Otherwise, what's the point of AD carries? Don't take a long time to be fair to do that, but yeah. But it's possible. Like there's a lot of games in Solo queue right now where I see the enemy damage champion somewhere, and I just assume there's no way there's no they are on Nash, and then Nash falls five seconds later. But yeah, but Mundo never dies, and Sejuani has. But I would say even if you stunning. make a tanker, you still need to make the buff more balanced, dealable with. Because okay. how it feels right now is that once the creeps are buffed up, there's no way to clear them. So you just go somewhere else, five, buff off the creeps, and those creeps will push all the way to Nexus. Like, there's, yeah. no, there's no stopping them. So do you think, so when the game becomes longer, do you just feel like you're not, as an AD carry, you're not hitting that window that AD carries used to hit, where it's like the six item point or the four item point where you get those core items and you actually are, like, as powerful as you should be compared to how weak you are? Yeah, so that's, for me, at least the biggest reason why Soul Q is not a fun place anymore. And why it's so different from pre-made, because pre-made games usually go on for a little bit longer because mm -hmm. you don't just get Nash out of the blue. Um, so you might actually get to the later stages, which is when, in my eyes, at least now, AD carries come alive. I don't think you have too much power early game, pretty much close to zero, I would say. Maybe even negative, because you're like a free kill that some of the other champions might want to might wanna use to get themselves going. <laughs> and for the mid-game, I think you just don't really have any items right now that you can buy that gets gets you a strong mid-game. I think maybe Lucian is like the only champion because he goes blade into Black Cleaver or Kai'Sa with her Stormraiser Gwinsos. But I think the crit AD carries or the norm of AD carries don't really have a mid-game place currently with the items. So I would say late game is their place. And in solo queue, there is no late game, which is why solo queue is not really like a place to practice the game anymore. For me, the only reason why I would play solo queue currently is A, I don't have anything else to do, or B, 
I want to practice certain champions for the first 15 to 20 minutes because after that there is no game anymore. So just to add some counter arguments or some other points to this, obviously, because uh, when the Baron change happened where the Baron was tankier but dealt less damage, yeah. uh, I remember Ryze specifically talking about how one of the goals was it was supposed to be easier um, to just, uh, like start it and then be ready to fight. You wouldn't get punished as much um, as much for baiting Baron as you yep. did in the past. We took a lot of damage from it. If you didn't have a tank jungler or a tank top lane, I, actually just a tank jungler because your top lane was in the, in the side lane, uh, you couldn't really bait it and you just had these like long, boring 10 minutes of nothing going on. So this was more like you can start it now and then you can force a fight while you're uh, at the Baron. Yep. A change I actually liked um, I just feel like damage, uh, the Baron deals slightly too little damage, so that needs to be a little bit more. Mm. But in I, this, just, I just feel like it needs to be harder to take. I feel like you just need an AD carry to take Nash. That, just, this, this should be that's obviously given. yeah. Just, but then then goes against the diversity part of it, where the non AD carry players are probably like, yes, I can play Swain bot lane, and we can still do but Baron. Who, you know, has there like I'm sure there's someone. No, but like the thing is, is like maybe I, new I, players. I mean, for sure. And there's going to be some people who enjoy super duper enjoy the diversity in the bot lane. The people who enjoy experimenting and playing a ton of different stuff. And I think that's cool, and I support that. But I agree that there is a threshold where it's like. If Baron is going to give you a buff that strong, mm -hmm. it needs to have a super high cost. So, like, I'd love to see some, like, let's get some raid mechanics in there. Like, let's put an enrage timer, right? Like, if it takes too long to kill Baron, Baron just starts hitting harder and harder Ooh, and harder, that's cool. right? Like, do something more to make this challenging so you're rewarded for either killing it quickly or saving cooldowns to burst it or, like, something to make it more dynamic than just, it's hey, true. it doesn't do any damage. You can just literally ignore everything that comes out of it because it's not going to affect you. If you're a Mundo or a Sejuani, you don't have to care. If you're an AD carry, you care about the damage, but as long as someone's tanking for you, it just doesn't matter. I actually really like the idea of, you know, it gets stronger the longer it's active. Yeah. So, as, the longer it's in a fight, basically. Yeah. Because then you can still start the Baron to bait the team fight, disengage without being too low the first, whatever, 10 seconds, 15 seconds. But if you're there for longer than that, it obviously gets super, super difficult. So, I actually think that idea is pretty cool. Because about the game length, super quick though, the problem, again, from what Riot has announced with all the patch changes was that some of the games were too long and then people were stuck in losing games for, you know, 40 minutes. But if it's a 40-minute game, it's not a lost game. Well, that's how a lot of people saw it. And, and then, you know, game time, perfect time would be like around 30 minutes maybe, but that sucks for 80 carries because then you might have just hit your third item if you're doing well and it's like, yay, I'm ready. Oh, we lost the game. Yeah. So it's... There's this entire thing where the AD carry role and how it's been shaped over the last couple of years does not fit into the idea it feels like Riot has for how a solo queue game should look. Where it's like 30 minutes of great action, a lot of diversity, you know, you're able to get a Baron, it feels great if you're winning, and you finish the game. But again, for most AD carries, it's like, well, past 30 minutes is when we start playing League of Legends. So... It feels like one sp one role out of the five does not fit into the grand plan unless all lady carries become stronger in the early game and and on one and two items. That, that's actually a good question. Would you, from your perspective, would you rather see if you had a choice between, let's say, the game is a bit longer through whatever means, but averagely the game is longer, you get to hit that three item point, that four item point more consistently, or would you rather see eighty carries up to a point where 
they can, on one item, compete with a lot of these bruisers, where if the bruiser isn't hitting every single one of their abilities perfectly, like, you you can outplay them, and it is it does feel more like an even matchup as opposed to... We were off camera when you said this, but you talked about, like, Nocturne as a champion, yeah. as an example, who literally just mm-hmm. point and clicks you down when he's doing well. No, I would actually say that I think AD carries should be late-game oriented, because I, I, I like the idea of having every role excel at something. I think that's the first place of the game in my eyes at least like the support should excel in the early game and then she should slow down because he doesn't get enough gold but now he gets too much gold so he doesn't actually slow down in many cases i feel like when i play support and i don't farm i get more gold than if i play the karen and i farm because the support items are that Mm -hmm. strong you get so much gold for not basically doing anything and then for the jungle, it should be kind of similar. He should be super strong early game, and then he should slow down a little bit. And then maybe a top laner should be more mid-game oriented. Same for mid laner, maybe more mid-game or late-game oriented. But how it feels right now is that A-carry don't actually succeed at anything. Because even in the later stages, then I feel like you would rather have a Swain with six items than uh, than an AD-carry with six items. Maybe before. Debatable. Now bit, yeah, now it's a bit more different because now AD-carries are a bit better. Uh, due to the changes, but you're actually worse on six the, items. Yeah, but you Just get there. You get there faster. Yeah, you get there faster, yeah. but you are worse on six items. Yeah, I know. Than you were but you actually get your items now before yes. the game ends. So <laughs> that's that's a plus. But I would say. Just make the game longer. That would be an already good mm-hmm. fix because then everyone gets a chance to show what they're good at. So you get the early game still the way it is right now. You get the mid game still the way it is right now, and then. There's more than one Nash in the game. There's two Nash, and then there's an Elder Drake as well. Because there's an, actually an Elder Drake in the game that spawns <laughs> at 35 minutes if people didn't know. And I understand if they don't know because there's no 35-minute games mm-hmm. anymore. But I feel like if if that already changes, like let's say they make the Nash harder to take or less valuable once you get it, then there will be a second Nash in the game, there will be an Elder Drake in the game, and that's when AD carries come alive in that Elder Drake fight. And that for me already would be enough because then I have a place to aim for, a place to play for. Meanwhile, right now it feels so not rewarding to play a, a late game ADC and I would much rather just put myself on a champion that builds early game items mm. in a role that shouldn't be an early game role. Which is, in my eyes, the reason why it, in the first place became mages, became bruisers, because there wasn't a late game. And it's just better to play a champion that exceeds in the early game if you are playing for the early game. Yeah, and I mean, just so many of these champions are just ridiculously effective at killing people, right? Yep. And there's so many aggressive options you sure. can play off. And they will obviously say, hey, we had late game AD carry meta for a couple of years where if we didn't kill them at 20 minutes, they would just kill us towards the later. But I think players. that's fair. I think that's yeah, completely yeah. fair. Yeah, that's if obviously if I manage to go by 30 minutes without dying or keeping myself fine in the game, I should be rewarded on for that. On a weak mm-hmm. champion and your team has a I, sh- I should be rewarded for that. Yeah. I should I should get to a point where I am able to do what they did to me for 30 minutes back to them. I understand though why, for example, tank players complained before because they didn't really have much to offer other than an engage and otherwise they would just die. But for example, when a bruiser player complains when not succeeding to kill me for the first 30 minutes of the game, I just do not understand it because it's my time now. Like you had your chance, now it's my chance. And I just don't feel like I have that chance currently, which is for me yeah. the biggest problem. Mm-hmm. It's fair. Also because a lot of supports, defensive supports, I believe, got nerves. And that was obviously one of the problems before from Bruce's perspective. It was like, I jumped this AD carry and then there's a Janna or Lulu next to him. 
buffing him with shields and Arden Sensor and I think Arden Sensor was over the top, but I think yeah. the shield supports without Arden Sensor is in a fine place. Currently they're even in a fine place. Yeah, I play a lot of Janna, so I a lot of them got nerfed as I well, know. right? <laughs> you know, some of the defensive items got nerfed. So we might be at a point where even as a defensive support you can't keep your jinx or whatever alive in the mid game. Yeah. Which maybe you could before when it was really strong. And people play Janna, Lulu, whatever all the time. But I think that's fair. In the mid game it should be not easy for the boosters, but it should be doable, you know? I understand, though, in the later stages that they can't, but then you're in the later stages. Mm -hmm. You've played the game for 35 minutes and you haven't won yet. AD carries should be in their prime position, especially if they have a Janna or Lulu window, next to window. It's interesting. It's a never-ending discussion as well. I mean, yeah. How do you convince me, though? Because in like when I came here today, I thought that maybe this is something that everyone feels, but... Now it's a bit more clear to I me that it, this is maybe more AD carry. Yeah, perspective. which I mean, maybe. which is which is still I think I mean I think that a, a lot of your points are super valid, and I, I'm interested to see because AD carries have been buffed a lot recently. I'm curious like how much this this change trends for solo queue. You actually think 8.15 was a buff? Well, I mean the costs are cheaper. What do you think about it? Do you think it was a buff? I I, my impression was that it was a buff because despite I mean Storm Razor becoming much cheaper as an already very powerful first item for the champions that abused it I mean yes you lost some of the stats on it so six items as you mentioned earlier is weaker but my assumption now admittedly I am not an AD carry player yeah. uh, would have be would be that it would make AD carry stronger because the thing that makes Storm Razor so good is is not the base stats for me but the active or, and the, the free crit yeah yeah I think um, it's a buff towards three items. Um, getting there quicker, but after that, without having done the math on the nerf to IH damage, it might actually hurt quite a bit towards the late game. But then the patch also introduced Akali, who is definitely not good friends with AD carries. Yeah. So that is obviously a problem. Uh, and she's she good friends with anyone. Yeah, but they introduced Akali. Like, ah, oh, uh, fair. Yeah, well, who cares looking, about items now? <laughs> the looking, game's over. Looking at, uh, at the patch as, as a whole there... Um, so I think item-wise, like, making it pickaxe BF was the thing I enjoyed the most mm. out of it. I hated BF BF. It was so annoying. Um, and then also being able to just get it slightly earlier. And again, the, the cheaper Storm Racer I liked uh, as a buff towards getting the three items. We still haven't really seen that many created carries, though. Uh, we just see the same old AD carries who already like Storm Racer be like, yep. perfect, this is even better. Yeah. You buff this item for someone else, but I'm actually taking advantage of it. So it seems like the change was not enough. Do you consider it a buff? I actually, I actually thought um, on 8.4, like when I planned my return, I thought 8.15 is the time because I looked at the PBE notes and I saw good changes. I thought all the changes that were there were changes that were needed. So I, I told them that maybe for 8.15 I should uh, get some playtime because I think AD carries might be good again. Mm -hmm. And then when they actually released the live patch, which are the numbers that are, we are currently seeing, I thought 8.14 was better. I thought 8.14 was the, like, the prime ever since 8.11 for AD carries because even though, AD, um, even though IE, for example, is 200 gold cheaper, it's better to take an extra wave to get 5% more true damage and I think it's 10 AD or 5 AD maybe I'm not sure mm -hmm. it just feels like the stats you lose for 200 gold which is one wave is not yes. it's not like it doesn't balance out I mean it's and definitely for Storm Racer I feel like they made the item better for non AD carries than for AD carries because now it builds out of long swords and I think most of the crit AD carries do not want long swords when you go into your laning phase as a Tristana, you don't want to go 
back uh, on double long yeah, sword. Yeah, you don't want to go, go back, back and, and build long, double long sword. You want to go back and build sure. as much attack speed as you can, or like a high flat AD item. And I think the old components of uh, Storm Racer was better for that. I think the pickaxe, what was it, pickaxe, BF, double dagger? So double that was yeah. perfect for a Tristana or a Sivir or... Um, and I mean, we're hitting this... Caitlyn, if you want to play that stuff. I don't, but if someone wants... And we hit that point. I mean, Cavs with the Storm Racer on the Wukong. Yeah, so I uh, think all the bruisers now love the Storm Racer because it builds out of AD. And... That's pretty much all you want as a bruiser. So it's definitely supposed to be an AD carry buff. <laughs> so that I thought 8.15 was actually a bad patch for AD carries. I thought that if I got to do it over again, I would have liked to play 8.14 instead. Well, you, you get you get if you go Stormraiser, Zeal item, IH, you get that 700 gold quicker yeah. than before. Yeah. So that obviously is meaningful. But then the argument is, well, I actually rather have to only get it 500 gold earlier and then get the old Infinity Edge, mm -hmm. as an example. I also think they should have went through with the seal changes because on PBE, they changed them so they were 25% crit instead of 30. So you would mm -hmm. cap out at 100 and it would be like a nice feeling and it would just be better. They would be cheaper and 25 instead of 30. But then they just kept the 30. So now you, you go by 120% every game, but you don't really like get what you pay for in a way. Yeah. So it just doesn't feel that great for crit AD carries, which is why I understand people that don't play them. I don't want to play them either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was super happy that I got Ezra on stage, which is not something I would want to say, because Ezra is probably my least favorite champion. Hey, but you almost you one tricked it at some point. Yeah, yeah, they banned I, don't forget when Mora played Karma <laughs> yeah. Ezreal. We sat down, you told me he was your favorite champion. Times have changed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but this is the situation we're in. Crit AD carries are just not there yet. Have they made any changes to 8.16 yet on PBE? Or I honestly, after 8.15 PBE, when I was scouting it for like two weeks straight and I was super duper hyped and mm -hmm. I was ready to come back and then the live one comes out and it's just not the same. It was not even close to be the same. I just don't read PBE patch notes anymore because they're just pranking me and probably giving me hopes. Is it not enough though for you if you can play Jin, Ezreal, Kai'Sa, uh, Zaya, these kind of things? Yeah, it's enough. I mean... I will be playing. Yeah, it's, you're here now. Yeah, it's so. not news that I'll be playing next week. But I just don't feel like this is my meta because my meta is crit 80 carries and crit 80 carries is probably the lowest tier possible yes. right now for 80 carries. Like, Kai'Sa is good because she doesn't build crit. Avaris is good because it doesn't build crit. Astro is good because it doesn't build crit. So you can just keep going down the list. And Jin is a special case, but Jin runs Hail of Blades. Mm -hmm. So that gives him, like, Double the damage of any other. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah, absolutely yeah. insane. Oh, yeah, there's always has to be one stupid keystone in the game yeah. at any given moment that only one or two champions can abuse. It was Kleptomancy yep. with Ezreal and Gangplank yeah. for the longest time. Now it's Hail of Blades with Jin. No one else in their right but mind. But I don't think anyone will want to go down the route of playing Trusana or Sivir or Caitlyn or Jinx. Like we've seen a name a crit AD carry and name someone that plays it. I've only seen Chelly in LPL play Trusana. I don't know if it's a one trick or if he actually thinks it's good, but... We've had Tristana, we've so. had Caitlyn, we've had Sivir being played. Um, again, all of them just a little bit. Obviously, none yeah. of them is like... Like, LCK is like, oh, for KT, Ash is open. Let's yeah. pick Ash because she's just... Perfect. You have utility from your bot lane, extremely solid laning phase, like, great. Yeah, um, so, the utility AD carries or the ones who can actually either... Synergy with with a support like Zaya, 
or Israel who can allow your support to roam seems to be the matter. So from another role's perspective, there seems to be enough 80 carries. There is. Because there's like, what, yeah. six, seven 80 carries now that are viable? And we normally never have more than that viable anyway. No, for sure. It's just, as you said, it's not your meta because yeah. you're not and having I don't think late game the ones. crit changes that Riot made in 8.15 made crit champions good. I actually right. think they made them worse. So I don't know what their plan is for 8.16, which is the playoff patch, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't be surprised if the ADC meta remains the same for the rest of... Yeah, I didn't the, hear about I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it's the On truth. PB, and because the thing is, you talk about looking at PB, and to be honest, we mostly stay away from it. Short of like someone being like, oh, they finally nerfed that champion that's open. In this case, Aatrox, they nerfed the healing on his E. Thank God it's coming through. But that's also PBE. So like you said, it yeah. could be a bait. They could buff it. You never know. Um, it would be interesting um, if for Worlds... So imagine we play we play playoffs. And it's, it's the current meta. Yep. And then, because there's, I believe, two patches before Worlds... One of them will get released during playoffs and we don't switch, obviously. And then another one gets released right after playoffs. Like, that's two more patches where some changes could happen to AD carries. Yep. I could see a world where crit AD carries with the correct buffs would suddenly become meta for worlds, even though they haven't been meta for all of Summer Split, which actually could happen. Which speaks for the nature of this game and why it's not that great. In my eyes, at least. In your eyes. I just think the way other games do it, when they have like an enormous patch between seasons and then every other patch after that is more of a hot fix than mm -hmm. anything else mm. just makes it so if you find a champion that you're really good at and you make it work you're gonna get rewarded for doing so by winning or having the chance of winning a trophy in europe and then bringing that all the way to worlds so a good example would be for example last year when i was playing canon that was one of my best champions i think to this mm -hmm. day mm. and it was a very very special champion so it gave me a lot of following which I think is great. If Riot makes a champion that isn't supposed to be played in the bot lane and I find out how you played in the bot lane and that makes me special, I shouldn't get punished for doing so. But that's how I felt at least. I used it to my own advantage to winning games in the LCS. Riot saw that and then they just nerfed it. And I just feel like I would have been better off not playing it in the first place and saving it for Worlds. But that's not how it should work. Mm. At least that's not how I think it should work. I think it should work so that if you find a champion that you're good at, you specifically, you should get rewarded for doing so. Hmm. Makes me think we should invite, have a special because, balance episode. Like imagine a world where Season 7 Worlds was me on Cannon almost every game. Or teams having to ban Cannon. Yeah. That sure. would have been and a And the thing is, it's like I 100% I guarantee you that someone from the Balance and the Live Design team has an excellent counter-argument to this. But well, I, I don't know. Yeah, the counter-argument is that Cannon Top was great. Yeah, and most well, of it also yeah, is based on solo sure. numbers, right? But yeah. Cannon Top wasn't even building Hurricane for the most part. And that was... The reason why it stopped being playable in bottling because they right. removed the stun props yeah. with the hurricane, which was a, a super wholesome interaction when you're losing against Cannon. So, but I feel I see, yeah, there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot of struggles when it comes to balance, and I don't want to like, I, I don't know a lot of the stuff that the balance team knows and a lot of the numbers from solo queue, but the, the eternal struggle is always going to be balancing solo queue and balancing competitive play. Also, you're, you're balance, balancing five roles. Everyone has different opinions. I'm sure a lot of people said, man, AD carry bot, uh, Kenan AD carry bot was so annoying. I'm so happy they I'm nerfed it. I'm sure it was. It was But if it was that great, whatever. people would have played it. And I was it's the only true. one that played it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is very true. Uh, I, I, I want to say they didn't nerf it because you played it. So why would you say they nerfed it? Uh, the top lane cannon? Well, so that's what I have to assume that it was... 
It was either something that was yeah, that I, too strong in solo queue or... I can't say for certain, but I guarantee, I guarantee if, if the design team decides to nerf something that they see is like... it's If you were playing, it's like, I guarantee that like some of the Galio nerfs that came through were a lot because of pro play because that champion wasn't as good in solo queue as it was True. in pro play, right? But yeah. for something as niche as Kennen, maybe if it was dominating an LCK, but I don't even think it was a super OP pick in top lane. Only a few played in the top and the ones yeah. that did didn't even so, build Hurricane. They just ran Blade into Mallet into Wit's End. I mean, my, my assumption would then just be that it's historically it's a super oppressive laning pick and my guess would be that they have some kind of solo queue numbers to back it up. There's also... Sometimes the reason that they see a champion being played too much in a role they didn't intend the champ to be played. But I think in. that's a awesome part of League of Legends, man. Sure, I mean, I, I'm that's why I'm fond of the whole idea of having mages in the bot lane because I think it's awesome True. that you can play different champions in different roles where they're not supposed to be. But as soon as that happens, right, just eh, not gonna happen. Well, for now they've left the mages. In yeah, the and they've lane. I mean supported. So, it well, I, I, they've left left one. I think the only one that people actually play now is Swain. Otherwise, people don't actually play mages anymore. Yeah, occasional Vladimir, but yeah. Pretty Maybe much. mages get buffed now in the bot lane. <laughs> I don't know, but it's, it's hard. Which makes me happy, but I actually thought having like different niche picks from players is a cool aspect of the game. Like I loved playing Cannon. That was one but of my think, favorite I things that I've done in my entire I, career. I, I can you like not that. pick Heimerding a bot right now? Uh, I think you can, but... So is it because... You have to be great at it. Well, that's the thing, right? To me, the reason mages disappeared quicker than I thought they would from pro play in bot lane. People aren't good at it. Well, it's because I've played AD carry for seven years. So the moment an AD carry is equally good, I will yeah. pick an AD carry. Even though uh, Heimerdinger, Vladimir, Yasuo, these kind of things are actually still yeah. really good bot lane. That's why we still use Wipo, because we think it's still right. really yeah. good. And so, he's great at it. So I feel like the bot lane diversity... The option is there, it is. but obviously in pro play, because, again, you guys have been playing the same role for so many years, when you can pick an AD carry, if it is a 50-50, you probably always go to the AD carry. Yeah. Um, I'll and, always, always play DC. And always, that's, no you know, what. now you get into the struggle of being a, a designer, obviously. We, we come up with ideas here and trying to explain things, but yeah, we obviously and not also like, designers. We don't like, speak for the design team. And, we do and not speak for them. I have a lot of faith in that team, but also, like, it's just we like, can't speak for them 100%. I can, I can see one of them sit here and say, Wait, so you're telling me that mages are still viable and bruiser bottlings are still viable, but they don't get picked in pro play for other reasons, and yet we just said only one is viable. So they might feel like this is unfair, and then if they buff sure. the mages again, people are like, oh, you can only play mages now, this sucks. It's like, mm. to me, it feels like if you take you as the example here, and if you could play Vladimir Swain Yasuo at the highest level, yeah, I would mix it up for sure. You would definitely mix yeah. it up. So clearly there's a lot of viable things bottling. I just think it's natural that most AD carry players, when they can play an AD carry, picks an AD carry. Yeah. Uh, and that that's why we start eliminating from pro yeah. play at least. But like, I can almost guarantee you there's going to be some important game somewhere where out of nowhere, someone is going to pick a surprise mage and bot. And we'll... Yep. We know yeah. we as constants are going to be like, idiots, that's not viable. What are you doing? And then this guy like goes 5-0 and is insane in laning phase. And we're like, oh, I guess that's cool. So uh, it feels like diversity is still there. Just the option. Yeah. And I want to see how, like, as it continues to grow, right? What does the playoffs patch look like? What do those changes look like? It's probably a small one, I guess. Hopefully Aatrox nerfs come through. Um, that would make me happy not to see that champion permit every single game. 
but let's let's jump back on a little bit about your story because I think we we got caught up in this balancing. This <laughs> yeah, it's thing. been a while, and it's like a thirty minute hole we just went down. It was I was dope. I'm not trying to flame the discussion. It was a good time, but I, I'm curious. Like, so if you're not playing a ton of solo queue, solo queue is not a super pleasant. Oh, actually, game. I do play probably the most solo queue. I think there was a Reddit thread not too long ago, which uh, followed the amount of games every one place yeah. in NA and EU, and I think in EU caps had the most. Other than Sir Nukesdalt, he's like 2.7k, but he wasn't always playing LCS either, and he's yeah. always been like a grinder, so I gave him respect for that. But I think from my own team, at least Caps was around 1.6k, and I was roughly 1.5. So I still play a lot of solo queue. I, I'm honestly not doing much other than playing League of Legends, even if I don't enjoy playing solo queue. So because it's just a necessity. How like, do you stay just... mental? Uh, how do you avoid mental boom in solo queue? In solo queue, if you play so much and you don't enjoy playing it. You just have to, like, I've been around enough now to know that I will lose games. There's no way I play solo queue and win every game. This is just, this is just the world. In pro play, it's a bit different than I can expect winning every game, I would say, at least in Europe. Mm -hmm. But for solo queue, there's a high chance my win rate is going to be something between 50% and 55%. So I don't really get upset when I lose. I just mm. feel like okay. So either I wasted time or I didn't waste time. So for the most part, I don't feel like I wasted time because I actually end up playing a champion that I might play on stage. So even if the game sucks, I got I at least got like 50 minutes of an astral early game, cool or something. I think that's like a pretty healthy way to look at it. So if you, if you're practicing and you're grinding the solo queue um, during your break and otherwise, was there any point? You know, I know initially you benched yourself. Was there a yeah. point where you were like ready to come back where you didn't come back? Or was there a, a, how long was the period of time where you felt like not playing with you was the right choice? Was it just those few weeks? Was it 8-14 where you feel like I should be back in here immediately? Talk to me a little bit about that, like that timeline for you between when you're at home grinding through the misery of solo queue mm -hmm. uh, versus now coming back on stage to return. So I think in the beginning, actually, I think the whole situation was a bit unlucky, actually, because... In the beginning, I was with the team all the time. I was going to the office like if I was going to play LCS, if I was going to play all the scrims. And I was only playing 50% to begin with. And then Bwipo played, I think, both the games in week two and both the games in week three. And mm -hmm. then after that, there was Rift Rivals, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And I went with them to LA as well. And we got back from LA. And I think it wasn't until we got back from LA where we were kind of all on board with playing with like we put consistently and not having me play 50% of the scrims. So I think that week after and the week after that, I didn't play any scrims whatsoever, but I was still with the team right. up until week six, I would say. And then after week six, I just felt like I was wasting so much time because I was with the team the whole time, right? But I wasn't playing any scrims. So the only thing I was really doing was playing 20 games of solo queue every day, but it wasn't really helping me to get better. And I didn't really feel like I was an, in a good state of mind either. So I asked for permission to go home to Sweden. And the time I went home to Sweden was the time 8.14 hit and everyone started playing AD carries again. So I felt like I should be back in there on 8.14, but when 8.14 hit, I was back in Sweden. So mm. the whole situation was a so. bit unlucky, but I got back as soon as I could. Like as soon as I saw the AD carries on the weekend of 8.14, mm -hmm. I just traveled back to Berlin and yeah. then I started practicing again with the team. So I was ready for the last week. So is that, because last time uh, we had Whip on the show, they were talking a little bit about like 
if if it came down to practicing 80 carries, that he'd practice 80 carries. And we saw specifically Zaya band away from him in the G2 game, and it seemed yeah. like he was ready to be the 80 carry if, uh, if needed. Was that line? That was up? that was the week I wasn't there. That was the week where yeah. you weren't there. Okay, cool. So so would you say you were like you were nervous at all when this guy was playing 80 carries too? Were you worried about not coming like coming home to a team where you were where you had a place, or was this more just like a crap, this is the week that I happened to go to Sweden, Blippo, like, play 80 carries, do what you have to do to be ready for, for the stage. I think a mix of everything, but I would say when it comes to Saira Khan, then the Saya doesn't really have to do much, so I wasn't really feeling stressed out. Mm. I would feel much more stressed out if he was going up on something like Tristana, and then Helio... Yeah, he started carrying on, and you're like, wait a minute. was playing some sort of peel champion and not allowed to roam around and do his mm. thing. I think that's when I would have feel like maybe this is not the approach we should take with Bipo. But I think f- when it comes to playing Saira Khan, the Rakan is the, the carry, and sure. the Saya is just there to give him a longer E mm. and a W when he wants to auto-attack. <laughs> so I thought that was that was actually a good change that they made when I wasn't there. But ever since I got back, he stopped playing AD carries completely, and now I'm just the one doing the AD carry business, and he's the one doing the other stuff. What does it do to a five-year veteran? Uh, I would say five, six year veteran now, mm. who's won double MVP, you know, summer, spring, yeah. won multiple EU LCS titles, gone to Worlds multiple times. What does it do to you mentally when you bench yourself and start thinking, I might not even get to play again? Mm. Like you said earlier, you yeah. felt depressed. Like, do you want to talk more about that? Or, well, so it was just like really simple in the beginning. I thought that. The game was that was just done for me. Like I thought this was gonna be the evolution of League of Legends and AD carries would completely die out and only be seen in very, very specific scenarios. So I thought that this is maybe just the end. So it felt a bit natural for me to feel a bit sad and depressed. But it wasn't to the point when I was going crazy. I was still with the team and I was still playing 50% of the scrims to begin with. So I thought it was it was okay. It was just a very frustrating situation because I didn't really have any to say about it which is why I understand why you said like the balance discussion we had for 30 minutes wasn't that valuable either because in the end there's nothing we can do about these things it's just oh, no. something you have to oh, do. No. and to be fair you I thought listen though I think it's thing. valuable I, yeah, I don't want to say it's not valuable like, for example if I go back to the cannon yeah. uh, situation like when they nerf the cannon there I just have to accept that this is mm-hmm. cha- as champion That's that I have practiced now for four or five months straight mm-hmm. and is no longer playable so I just have to change everything up and dig whatever they are throwing my way. And the difference this time was that I didn't really feel like I could dig what they were throwing my way. I felt like it was just way out of reach for me now. So I felt a little bit more depressed than usual maybe, but I thought it was it was okay, man. As long as we won, won the games in the LCS, won Rift Rivals, I thought it's, it's fine. I, I'm still a part of the team. It's not like I completely disappeared and they didn't see me for mm-hmm. seven weeks. Mm-hmm. The only time I was really gone was when I went back to Sweden for, I think I was home for seven days maybe. And when I got back, I instantly went back into it, played the majority of the scrims, played on stage, showed yeah. up on Saturday as well. So, so I thought it was hmm. it was okay, the whole situation, honestly. Yeah, two things. One thing I want to make, or like, I guess two things. First thing that I want to make clear about the balance discussion is like, I think that the, the reality of a pro player is whatever happens, you have to adapt to it. And that's the harsh reality of your yep. job, right? And in this case, you took a step back and I respect that. Mm-hmm. But that does not, I never ever want that to stop people from having conversations about the way the game is balanced. Oh, that's how you get your yeah. voice out. There. Yeah, because like, I just feel like currently the only way to get your voice out is to get a Reddit thread. 
Because I don't Maybe really... Maybe you already Yeah, thread. sure, but I don't really have a person I can speak to. Like, the Riot people that balance the game and the pro players that play it at the highest level have no connection whatsoever. I have never, ever in my career spoken to a person that balances the game. And look, Directly, I, I, I can't say that, like, that that team doesn't contact pro players or does. I know that they hire a lot of former pro players to work on the playtest team, a lot of high ULO players as well, but I don't know. Like, it might just be not you, it might just be players in NA because... Those I think, yeah, there's no none, in, none of the EU players that does it. I think it's probably NA if something cool. happens. But I mean, like, good, I think just I think, trying to request it. Yeah, good to put it out there, if, especially if there's anyone who's going to, from the design team, is going to listen to this, talk to, you know, talk to some of our pros, mm -hmm. see what they have. Never hurts to have another opinion uh, on the game. But the other thing I wanted to touch on was that uh, a conversation that we've had before, and I can't remember if it was on this podcast or off this podcast, uh, Reckless, was, was the idea that, like, if you weren't the right choice for the team, that you would take a step back. And yep. this is the first split where you've done that. Uh, and you talked about like the depression and the, and the reality yeah. potentially setting in, like if this mage meta existed as it did eight eleven indefinitely, that you would never be the right choice again. Do, yeah. you, do you still feel like if it comes to it now in the future that you can make the choice to bench yourself again if that's necessary uh, for the way that the game is played, or, or or now are you like are you worried more about it? Do you feel better now that you've tried it and gone through it? How has it changed since you've gone through this experience? So I think if it happened again, I would still make the same choice. I would still bench myself and just let Wipo play and collect the wins. Because if you think about it, he is at 100% already or pretty damn good at these champions and most of the other players who were trying them out weren't anywhere near. The same sort of Swain, same sort of Vlad, same sort of Rice. So I think I made the right choice. But at the same time, it was very costful for me because I lost not only money, but I also lost a lot of exposure, which are things that I know a lot of other pro players would consider above competitive wins, yeah. especially when it comes to the regular season of LCS. So I understand the argument that people said I should have just continued playing. It doesn't matter anyways, because it's just, it's just LCS. But in my mind, whatever we are doing currently is going to have a huge impact on Worlds and the playoffs. So in, like, I just thought that if we have higher chance of winning with Wipo, then I should step down. Like there's no, dis this shouldn't be a discussion about this. So I never thought twice until I started playing now again, where I felt a little bit rusty maybe, and I, I'm not sure if I'm ready for playoffs or not. It's hard to tell, honestly, because I don't play all scrims, so I don't get that much like uh, net worth of games that I can look over and think, okay, this is working and this is not working. I'm barely playing 12 games a week, mm. I think, of scrims. Mm -hmm. And that's not a lot. That's a day of soul queue. Yeah, it's true. A, a side of scrims. So I think it's hard to say if I'm ready for playoffs or not or if I'm ready for Worlds or not. But it's still a, like a long way away. And maybe after this week of LCS, we're going to decide on a roster that is going to start in the playoffs and they're going to do the majority of the, of the scrims. And we have two weeks as well. So maybe I get in shape, no do you, problem. Do you feel like this experience has helped Fnatic as an organization or, or you guys as a team really figure out how to run a six-man roster? Or do you feel like because this wasn't really a situation where it was done on your terms, right? It was much more like the patch change and this is a decision that you had to make that you yeah. didn't maybe get as much out of it as you could have. Actually, I think it helped a lot for the six-man because I know we had a lot of issues before with the Soas people situation when they were kind of fighting mm. openly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, Top lane fight. They were like fighting in interviews, which was very strange to me because we're living together. So if you have a problem with each other, you can just bring it up. It's no big deal. Everyone's just trying to win anyway. So if there's a problem, then 
you should fix it. But I think after this whole situation, everyone's much more on board with playing as six and not as five. I feel like we have two different rosters that do two very different things, but everyone's on board with following the, the style that we want to use for each team. And for playoffs, this should be a great tool, honestly. I feel like in a best of five, this should be a huge advantage. Oh, yeah. Regardless of who we are playing. Definitely. And it's for Worlds, if we make it out of groups, it should be a very similar thing. I think for groups, mm -hmm. best of one system, when you're playing back-to-back, -back, it might help a little bit. But I think for the most part, for a best of one setup, it will be much more about using the best roster, not whoever is yeah, I mean, I, I going to surprise the opponent. The BO1 value could be unpredictability. Yep. Like, oh, Reckless is playing, so I, I, I know it's going to be an AD carry, but I don't know if he's going to pick, you know, early game, late yep. game, whatever. Uh, and same for Whippo, you know, people might not be 100% sure what's been practiced there. I have one last question about the whole, you know, not playing thing. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of comments, again, from uh, casters, fans, players, teammates, whatever it was. Like, how was that f for you? Because everyone had an opinion on, should Reckless be playing? Yep. Why did Reckless bench himself? Was it correct or not? Like... At some point, I assume you, you just get fed up with people having an opinion, or uh, did you just ignore all of it? Actually, after MSI, I feel like I've learned how to listen to myself in a way. So for MSI, I was very like full of what everyone was saying, basically right. what you said, because I, everyone had an opinion on my play. Mm -hmm. Everyone thought, well, most of the people at least thought that I didn't do a great job at MSI. And that I played the wrong champions, and I was like the reason why we didn't go all the way. I think if people said even stuff like if we had another ADC, we would have went to the finals, we would have won the whole thing. So I think after MSI, I learned to listen to my own opinion or use my own opinion as a higher value than others. So for example, in this case, then I felt like the right choice for me was to mm -hmm. step down. Mm -hmm. So I didn't even think twice about it. I just stepped down. And then I still, you know, even though I don't read too much, still got the eye of what some people thought. And I, I felt like that's fair. Like people can have their own opinions. But in the end, when I make decisions, regardless of what it is, if it's me stepping down or if it's me choosing what champions to play for the next MSI or for Worlds, maybe that will be more relevant. I should listen to myself. And I should always use my own opinion as the main one. That's, yeah, that's basically it, I would say. Okay, cool. All right, gentlemen, we have Twitter questions left. We want to talk a little bit about locking for playoffs as we're going to week nine, the final week of EULCS in the regular season. Now, Deficio, today we're just going to be talking about top two, who is going to lock in those semifinals buys. Everything else you can, of course, watch on EULCS uh, this Friday and Saturday. But top two, who are your favorites right now? See if uh, other Martin agrees. I'm willing to put 100% all my credibility on Fnatic first place, Schalke second place. Schalke will play against Splice on the on Friday, mm -hmm. which is actually a really huge game. And then on Saturday, I believe they play H2K. 2-0 Schalke, 2-0 Fnatic. I believe there might be a tiebreaker between Schalke and like Misfits or... Yeah, so they're currently... Schalke are currently 1-1 with G2, Misfits, and Vitality in terms of breakers. They are also 0-2 versus Fnatic, so... In the event that they somehow they tie. will win the tiebreaker, Schalke second place. Reckless, prove me wrong or agree with me. 
Who do you think? Is there anyone else running at it right now? Uh, standings are behind you. There's also the, the power rankings. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to look at the power rankings. I think... Um, well, I think for sure we end first. There's no way around that. We play Rocket and Unicorns. Yes. Yep. And that should be just two wins. Like, no way around that. I think I really this is basically your victory lap week. Uh, you are, however, 1-1 against the majority of the other Doesn't teams. Doesn't matter. They do not 2-0. This no, we, we are, we're going to 2-0. I'm not worried at all. I just don't know which game I'm playing. But whichever game I'm playing, we're winning that one, and then the other game I'll just clap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yay! <laughs> but uh, yeah, I would say we're going to end first. And then for second place, it's harder. Because I know a lot of my teammates feel like Schalke is the second best team currently in Europe. Ooh, yes, say it again. Mm. But I am not sold. But I think ah. I'm also biased because I'm just always thinking like which team would be hardest for us. Yeah, not yeah. Actually, which team? Oh, is the this best. discussion again. I remember from last. Yeah, week. and this is this is the this, uh, the stuff that's like messing with my brain a little bit, because I would say, for example, if I want to avoid teams, I would want to avoid Vitality. Mm. Why? Because they just play out of the box, if that makes sense. Because I feel like we are a lot better than these teams at understanding what needs to be done on the map to get a win on the board, and they play so similar to us that we should just it better so i think a team like splice a team like schalke and a team like misfits we're just gonna beat them because we're better at what they already do or what they're trying to do okay mm. i think g2 is a little bit more of a wild card than those three because they are top focused rather than bot focused which is something we have historically not dealt with very well and vitality is just all over the place you never really know what to expect from them they just do bunch of crazy stuff which so, is why i don't want to play them because right 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 it's so, just i don't want to go zero one down because they do some stuff that shouldn't <laughs> happen so if you could pick a team to be second place would you pick vitality so I, I, no no i wouldn't helps. because i think their schedule is too hard if i'm not mistaken they, they also have win behind yeah they're win behind and they have misfits. g2 misfits and i wouldn't be surprised if they lose at least one of those games mm -hmm. and i wouldn't be surprised if schalke wins both of their games so I would probably agree with Chalky ending second due to the fact that Vitality is one game behind in their schedule. Mm. But I also wouldn't be surprised if Splice beats Chalky this week. Because I think Splice is a lot better than mm, their standings suggest now that the meta has gone back to normal. I think they were the ones that struggled probably the most with the meta change. Yes. Out of the top teams. I think they just had no idea what they were supposed to do. Who's well, the weakest of the six teams at the top? I would say G2. G2 is the weakest. Yeah, because I think they were the ones that had the best time when the meta changed. And they are having the worst time now that the meta has gone back to normal. Even though Yarnan's actually looked good when he played Zaya and his Vars and... Oh yeah, I think Yarnan has been... I mean, I, I said this the last time I did a podcast with you as well. Like, Yarnan is above what people say. Yep. He is just not the superstar that you need if it were to be an AD carry meta. So in a way, it actually is fine for G2. I just think them or misfits don't really have it going currently right so then this kind of so it will be between them and misfits yeah for the worst team you do another episode just on this because there's a lot let's do it two episodes one day let's go <laughs> but i wouldn't be surprised if like let's say splice and sixth and they play g2 one third let's just say mm -hmm. that potential mm -hmm. matchup in a quarterfinals i would not be surprised if we play splice in a semifinals interesting Right, I mean, I, at this point, I feel like most of these teams are very even. They are. Uh, I was very impressed. Th this, with this is the, the sixth that I thought would go to playoffs already in spring. 
Mm-hmm. So I am not surprised that it's happening right, right now because it should have happened in spring already. And I'm really happy it's happening because there's a lot of big names, a lot of big orcs, a lot of good players who is going to play in our playoffs now. Yep. And we will probably avoid the 3-0 Splice versus Rocket quarterfinal we had last split, which obviously was not that interesting to watch. I just but think the, <laughs> the standings would be different. Like if, if I could use these six teams, I would put them differently than how they're currently performing. I think yeah. Schalke is overperforming. I think Misfits are underperforming. Mm-hmm. I think Vitality is... It's hard to say, man. Like, I don't know well, exactly. Let's, let's talk about that a little bit because our match of the week this week is Misfits versus Vitality. This is pretty important for the standings. Like you mentioned, uh, Vitality are one win behind. And yeah. while neither of these teams may make it into the top two, they're both fighting for seeding. They're both fighting to see who they play that quarterfinal match well, Misfits against. can definitely make top two. And who actually has the edge right now? Because you're giving a lot of credibility to Vitality, specifically as an opponent for Fnatic. But yeah. how do you think that they actually stack up against a team like Misfits, who you say are you know underperforming right now? I think Vitality are going to go 1-1 this week, and I think they're going to beat Misfits and lose to G2. So why why are they going to beat Misfits? What about Misfits? Because I think Misfits are just in a slump. Like I don't know exactly what's going on there, but they're swapping players. They're doubting their champion pools. Mm-hmm. They don't have any macro going for them whatsoever. They're making really simple mistakes that shouldn't happen to a lineup that has played together. Like The reason why I would put Fnatic first and Misfits second in my world of the six teams is because us and Misfits are the teams that kept their rosters for this year. So we shouldn't have macro issues at all. This should just be. So, this should just have been done like half a year ago. And mm-hmm. Misfits are having macro issues. So, oh, yeah. Then so the hot, I don't know. The hot topic is... Last too. Jezus was supposed to come in. He was supposed to be kind of a late-game shot caller uh, and be that voice. Did you feel like that worked out for Misfits last week? How did no. you feel about that swap? I think they should have lost the game against HK. And that says enough already. They basically won it through a Baron steal. So, yeah. yeah. I think Misfits looked really, really weak uh, last week. So my, my whole problem with the current Misfits lineup is one, how good they actually were the, the first half of the split when they played really aggressive early game. They put Alfari on tanks and they played a lot around uh, bot side, yeah. um, which gave a lot of pressure, which allowed Mickey to then actually move with his jungler and then play towards mid after that. So it super benefited Senkooks mm. and it obviously benefited Hansama because they could play aggressive in lane because they always had a jungler taking Rift Scuttler on bot side and all these kind of things. And Alfari literally just had top lane, never died and just waited to TP somewhere and it worked great. Yeah. Uh, so they had a strength, which was... Uh, the early game, and specifically playing around the bot side. Now what they've done is they've removed that part of the game from them. They, they subbed in a player who's more focused on what's happening on the map. Yeah, to quote him, he's, he's a brain player, not a hands right, player. Right, right. the hands in player. In Jesse's, where, where Mickey obviously is a, is a much superior laner and, and a playmaker, and they're also picking differently now, uh, which means there's less aggressive junglers for max lore and so on. So it's way harder for this team now to actually win the early game. They've tried to put carries on top side and play to top lane instead, yeah. which means Hansama doesn't do anything. Uh, so And then Senkooks doesn't get the help he normally got in the first half of the split, and that also hurts him. So now they're trying to be more of a, we will have a better late game. But their late game macro spring split was bad. Make a uh, late game macro. This split is bad. So you've actually removed the strong part of your team the first 20 minutes and now said, we just want to be mediocre from minute one to minute so, 40. Which are the minutes the vitality is most successful in, minutes one to 20. Especially. Which is why I think they're going to beat them. Yeah, I, I, I think G2 are as good as they should be, and I think Splice are as good as they should be, which is why I think Vitality will not beat G2 because G2 are actually pretty decent currently. I, I like G2 right now. 
I, I think Yana is doing really well, which is huge for them with the with the change. Now, it gives them a lot of flexibility. They don't have to play carry top, uh, but they can. So I, I think it's good. Misfits just like... They say obviously they want to use this time when they're already locked in playoffs to figure out. I think how do we I hate issues. that excuse, man. It's the worst. Well, I, I never listen to this stuff. When people say we're losing because we want to lose, I just. Well, they ah. they need to fix their problem. Yeah, but I'm that's, sure they it's, win it's basically too. saying we're losing because we want to lose. In my eyes, at least. Like, if you want to win, then win the game, then. Like. I'm sure they would like to win, but they don't know how. And they're trying yeah, to solve so, that, right? Over these yeah. couple of weeks by putting in Jesses. We have to see this week if it does anything for them. I'm, I want to see how it works out. I don't want to doubt it immediately, but last week was definitely not a good proof of concept in terms of the Jezus versus Mickey X. Uh, it did go to... No, 1-1. One, 1-1. One. One, yeah. one, they, they lost to G2. They lost to G2. Yep. Didn't they get stomped? Kind of, yeah. yeah. Kind of felt like a stomp, yep. yeah. Is that the Hyarn and Varus? No, uh, Zaya one. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, then that was the, the game where we did. Oh, yeah, it was the one where, again, they needed to get a Fari on AD Cannon ahead. Yep. They messed up a little bit on top side. They only got him, like, one assist or something overall, and then they just lost everything. Oh, yeah, that was a rough game. The uh, Randwin's Omen Cannon top. And Perks was smurfing on Yasuo. Very true. Um, so we have a bunch of Twitter questions. Uh, I want to get a few in. And speaking of misfits, Ben Spoont... Uh, at Ben Spoon, notorious owner. <laughs> we just talk about his work. Misfits. Uh, uh, so he asks, in the worst and lowest moment for you, professionally, the split, whenever this moment was, uh, what kept you mentally motivated? Like what kept so you- this split. So yeah, this split, or let's just, even ever, like in your worst moments, what's kept you mentally motivated and continuing to play as a professional? Hmm. I think probably my worst moment was Elements, I would say. Mm. Or 2016, but probably Elements takes the prize. 2015 spring, yeah, biggest change in Europe. Reckless, the superstar to carry from Fnatic, joins Elements together. Froggen was supposed to be the European super team. Shook jungle, Froggen mid, Nif support, wicked, wicked top yeah. lane, and then Reckless AD carry. And then what happened? Well, I still believe if we were playing for another org where stuff was set up for us, we would have done just fine. Like actually, I looked back at some games a while back and I saw that we were doing good in the beginning we're like 4-1 mm -hmm. or 5-1 yeah. and then we just dropped the ball somewhere in the middle there which I don't think would normally happen like I think if you have 5-1 on the board you're gonna go to playoffs at least mm -hmm. so even though it was probably the worst time I had I think it was more of an outside factor than an inside factor mm. but I would say what kept me motivated was Worlds because I went to 2014 Worlds and I felt like that was probably like the pinnacle for me of my career not only because the games were cool <laughs> or close games but just like the whole atmosphere around worlds is so different from the atmosphere around lcs so even though i had a tough time in the lcs i felt like it didn't really mean much so how does that so now when you look at, at these moments where you're you're kind of feeling down on your career and you're concerned about you know stepping away from league of legends is it still worlds that keep yeah. coming back which is why I think it was it was fine that this happened now in the regular season because it is the regular season of mm -hmm. the LCS. But if it, for example, were to happen for Worlds, like let's say in another world where I dominate the summer split in a similar fashion to the spring split, I win another trophy, another MVP. I'm three MVPs in a row. I'm on my fourth or fifth trophy, fourth trophy, mm -hmm. I think. And then we go into Worlds and Riot release a patch where there's no longer 80 carries and I have to bench myself for the entirety of Worlds. I think that would be a breaking point. I think benching myself for 
rift rivals and weeks two Big to deal. seven of a regular season it sucks but it's not the end of the world hmm. so honestly i wasn't even that far down in a hole or anything hmm. during the split i thought it was sad and it sucked but it's okay man as long as we win and I think I would feel that in the moment as well during Worlds, but it's just such an opportunity to miss out on. Oh, yeah. I mean, you work for this the entire yeah. year, basically. And then the only thing you get to do is watch yeah, from yeah. the sidelines. I think that that would probably be the breaking point for me, and so, that's when I would probably reconsider if I want to play the next season. Speaking of that that moment, and let's hope that it doesn't happen, but on the off chance it does, uh, Felix at Crepes for Dinner uh, asks... Does he have plans for when he retires? So do you have plans for when you retire? Are you going to continue in the league scene or do you see yourself working on something else? So once again, God forbid that you retire. Obviously, EU loves you. But if you do leave, if you do decide to step away from League of Legends, do you want to stay in esports? Are you like going to pursue a, a new... Are you secretly a baker like Soaz? Maybe you have some <laughs> other talent you've been waiting, a musician. Are you a rap god? Like what, what else is out there for you in the world? Not really anything, I would say. I don't really have an education, so if I want to do something within computer technology, which is what I studied, I would have to pull another three plus five, eight years, which is something I obviously don't want to do. Mm -hmm. So for me, at least, I'm going to stay within the industry in one way or the other, but I don't want to do that instantly. So like, let's say in a theoretical world, I would retire after the season. I don't think next season I would already be there as a coach or a caster or whatever would fit me within the industry. I would want to take a year and just travel the world because okay. I have been pretty much everywhere, but I haven't seen much. Yeah, because yeah, most yeah. of the time, uh, trust me, like, most of the time we just know. sit in yeah, the hotel, yeah. right? Yep. And then the only real time we get outside is when we travel to the venue. There is not much else to it. So what I want want to do is backpack around the world, and I would probably want to start in New Zealand, I think, and check mm -hmm. out the the Hobbit. Village, Dude, uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> profile I always forget that's there, and then every time someone goes to New Zealand, I'm like, that's where they put. And then I would like yep. to do Australia. I've been there once before, and it was amazing. I would like to do that, and then some parts of Asia I haven't been to. Denmark, some of the islands, yeah, Denmark. and in Scandinavia. Yeah, Denmark. of course. <laughs> Just you know, check everything out. I think that would be a great. Makes great a lot adventure. of sense. Also, taking a break, like a yeah. real break. So I don't know what this is called in English, but there's a lot of people that do this after their high school last year yeah, yeah. they take a year off take a year off yes uh, gap, gap year gap year it, maybe yeah. that's what they call it and then after that they start studying again so I would kind of want to do a year like that and then come back to the scene and do something else within the industry it's very interesting uh, the first thing you said is you don't have an education um, because that's very normal for professional legal legends that's <laughs> almost all of us uh, so many of us in sports <laughs> 17 years old and you go straight from finishing you know or you probably quit halfway through I did one year I don't yeah. think Caps did one year I think he did he might have been even too young because he started when he was 16 in Turkey so we would have gotten that guy from the cradle if we could have at some point this for a lot of these players is going to end you know yeah. like you can only play for so long and who knows what's going to how happen. long do you think players can play for i mean i think they can definitely play longer than people said a couple of years ago yeah. it's like oh the moment you're 23 or 4 or something you have to quit like i think people can continue playing but is there room for them there's mm. only 10 lcs teams and there's new young players coming every year it feels like i just feel like i can't I can't get overrun, if that makes sense. Like, no, there are certain players who are pretty safe for now. There's I think a lot of other in players. In five years of time, I will still be much better than the new guy. And that's something you should use? 
for the players where that's not going to be the case, the lower TLCS players right yeah. now. I just wonder what happens when that wave of players, you know, have to stop playing professionally first in the LCS. Luckily in Europe, you can then go to a national league. Yeah. You can probably still do that for a couple of years. So that might just be long enough that it doesn't matter. And you coaching opportunities, coaching. There's so also, all teams. of your income is disposable income because your housing and food is paid for. So just save, save some money, money so you can go back to school if you need to. I just want all our nice <laughs> players who commit to this for so many years from when they're 17 and forward. I want them to have something. To oh, do absolutely. When they quit. Mm. For sure. I don't want it to be. Well, I'm now 25. Uh, do I go back to school at 25? Okay, I guess I can do that for some. Or do I try and find a job where it's not esports related, but I don't actually have any qualification because all I've done for eight years is play video yep. games. Um, so I really wonder. Luckily, I think in Europe there is enough in esports because of all the national leagues and all the different teams. There should yep. be enough for people to do as long as you want to commit to it. Yeah. Or get yourself a brand, become a streamer or whatever it is. Mm. That's also a way to do it. So one last question before we close out for the day. This one's much more BS than the other ones, but you, you got to get one fun one in there. <laughs> All right. Uh, John Wallace Howell, uh, John Howell77 on Twitter said, if Rai gave you the power to remove one champion from the game, who would it be? Reckless. What champion mm. would you delete? You could delete Kennen in protest and say, if he can't be played bot lane, he can be played nowhere. That's, oh, actually, they do play top now. I've seen something else. Okay, some AP Kennen. Mm-hmm. There you go. I did actually try AP Kennen bot lane when really I good. was... Uh, top lane, that is. <laughs> I don't know about bot lane. <laughs> no, I tried it. It wasn't that great. I could barely lane. You, you barely can lane with AP Cannon, actually. But, okay, either way, one champion. Hmm. Mm, I would probably say Nocturne. I, w- I would say Nocturne, yeah. yeah. I, I think Nocturne just... I just hate Nocturne, man. Like, there's no counterplay. It's really boring. Because even if you're not the guy getting ulted, you just don't see anything. So you can't help the guy that is getting ulted. What if they removed all the buffs they gave him this year and he became the Nocturne of last year? I think no. even last year when I played against the Dead Worlds, it was painful. Okay, yeah, fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. I just, the, the I just think his ult doesn't have much counterplay. Okay. I think if either the darkness circle was bigger or there wasn't any darkness in the first place, but I guess then he loses his... Kind of lame ult. Yeah, then it becomes <laughs> a lame ult. I, I just think... It's sad when you are the guy getting ulted, and it's also sad when you are not the guy getting ulted. Like, either way, it's just sad. When you hear the mm-hmm. darkness, you know someone is dying, and it sucks. I have, I have a lot of ideas on how to change that, but that could be another episode. But, like, I agree. It's I agree. Something though. has to give. It either needs to not be a point and click, because the darkness effect is dope. It's super it cool. It is cool. Yeah. But it needs to be something. It can't just be a point and click, one shot in 80. I really feel like he was not a problem until this year when they like buffed him over multiple patches. They buffed patches. him like seven patches so in a row. That's what I'm saying. Is they could just nerf him again and then... But I think it's cool that he's playable. I actually I like mean, he his playable, design but as a But not champion. obviously... Because yeah. he has some dual power and then he has some assassination later. So it's, it's a cool champion to have in the game. Also, he gets punished if he ults at the wrong time. Like he does get punished. Yeah, but that's, yeah. that's like a... Like, if you're a Nocturne player, I feel like it's a lot easier for you to choose when to ult than for the guy that's getting ulted. That's fair. Choose when to die. (laughs) Yeah, you don't really get the agency in that one. You just kind of have to hope that the Nocturne player isn't smart about when he pushes the button. I think that's that's when you just don't want to see that world. Because if... Sure. Like, let's say Levi was still alive and he played against me at Worlds and his Nocturne was pretty good the last time I saw it. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't want to be in a situation where I hope he's not good enough. I just feel like that's not... 
That's oh yeah, I'm not saying that's, that's not a like bio option. Yeah, that yeah. was. I'm, I'm definitely not saying that's how you should play around Nocturne. Just hope that they're not good. We need to just remove a Kali W. I agree. That is so. I, I have at this least problem. she should be seen. Yeah, it's just I have like, this problem. I, I, I'm with fine like with. Uh, I'm actually actually I'm not fine. But let's say she can't get hit by towers. That's that's life. That's just riot games. Right. But the fact that you can't see her with pink wards with sweepers. You don't know where she is in the cloud, and the cloud just gets bigger and bigger, and at some point, it's your entire lane. She can be anywhere in that donut. You just have nowhere. Then she hits you for a lot of damage. I just I dislike abilities that are only fun for the player, not fun for anyone else. Like, those kind of abilities, like, I understand the idea about, like, oh, new things, new mechanics in the game, trying to change up whatever people are used to, but it needs to be something where... The five players playing against the Akali do not just stand there and think to themselves, wow, this is just not fun. And where does she go after? That's why I think if you could actually see her, you could cover the points where she want to leave. Yeah, she doesn't really anything, have a dash after that. Anything. I'll give it a 10 million but, second long <laughs> cooldown. Akali. One per game. She is busted, use. for sure. I agree. But before we go, just so this doesn't turn into a 20 minute Akali conversation, because I know we could do it about how to fix this champion, we think, from our perspective at least. Reckless, is there anything you want to say? I, we, you I was made? actually going to ask you if you wanted to ask me something else, because I know we talked a lot about <sighs> why I benched myself yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and my feelings about that. Kind we of also talked a lot about Riot Games yes, sure. and their way of handling the game. So is there anything else you want to ask me? Well, I think for us, I think we've gotten to ask you a lot of questions. Is there anything you want to say to your fans to end this out? Because I know you, you've you been doing some more interviews, but you've mm -hmm. kind of been out of the public eye. I know there's been a lot of people trashing on you, and there's been a lot of people supporting you either way. Yep. Uh, is there any kind of, as, as like a closing remarks thing, is there anything you want to say to the fans and the supporters of Reckless? Mm. So first, I actually want to say something about the interviews. Yeah. Because I actually only really do interviews with Travis. That's been my thing for a while now. And it's not public knowledge. It's something I've never really said. But the reason is because I feel like a lot of the other interviewers we have just clickbait. Okay, and okay. people don't watch the interviews for the most part. And I know Travis is much nicer in that regard. He doesn't actually like put you out there if you say something that could be a little bit controversial. He leaves it a bit more subtle. subtle. So I just always do interviews with him because I know that the content he pushes out is going to be good for me and it's going to be good for him there's no like uh not one one of us getting all the all the pluses cut the clickbait title <laughs> we don't need it you mean that uh, one part where he said let's say theoretically i'll bench myself <laughs> i retire next year we'll just make that reckless i'm retiring next year <laughs> but yeah when that's out of the way maybe i don't really feel like there's anything i need to say because i feel like most of the people that follow me they understand why i did what i did mm. So I don't feel like I have to apologize. Oh, no, no, I'm not explain. asking you. And like, that's not even what I'm saying. Yeah. I was just maybe like, uh, oh, thank you guys for supporting me. Like, you know, definitely. I mean, it's always think cool you have that they stick with me because whenever something like this happens, it all, I have a little bit of a worry that people are just going to bail. They just don't want to be a part of my mm -hmm. world anymore. Mm -hmm. So obviously I'm very grateful to the people that stick around. But for the most part, I feel like everyone has a really good idea of what is going on. And... They are super excited that I'm back cool. and that I'll be playing some games this weekend and hopefully the weekends after that. So I'm just excited, man, to be back and to play some League of Legends again and to be able to play some League of Legends again because that wasn't my feeling for the past seven weeks or so. Yeah. 
So it's exciting times. I can play some 80 carries on stage and I don't have to feel like I have to risk all the biscuits with a Swain first time. <laughs> Look, so we I'm excited. We're very excited. We're excited to have you. You let me know if I need to fire Deficio and hire Travis Gafford to come host this talk show with me. We'll, well make you it guys are happen. cool as well. Like I, I like all the, the Riot content that is pushed out. I always say yes to this. Phil, this is the part of the video you put in the teaser. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like it. These last five seconds. <laughs> Please leave this part in and maybe maybe a little bit less of the part where we're incredibly critical. What about critical the cutout? About do you like it? As well. yeah, Some people ask if you would marry it. Actually, I think it's better than I expected. Because I saw it on air, right? And I yeah, thought yeah. maybe you guys are using some camera tricks, but it's like a, it's a live... High quality. Yeah, it's Once a high again, quality. Once again, our producer, Philip Choi. Right, boy. Right. Fantastic. You have no legs, but like that's yeah. Fine. yeah, it doesn't have legs. <laughs> this has been episode nine. Episode nine. Yes. Uh, season two of the Euphoria podcast with Reckless and the Reckless Cutout at the same time. Thank you, everyone, uh, so much for watching. Hopefully you enjoyed us. Let us know. Comments, YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud, saying it at the end for some reason, even though you've already probably listened hey, to the I whole thing. I know. It happens. Uh, match of the week this week is Mrs. First Vitality. It is on Friday. It's the fourth or fifth game. I'm not sure which one. Check it out. Also, check out Reckless and what we can call an easy breezy week he might be playing friday he might be playing saturday we don't know so just watch all of it all right thanks everyone for watching we'll see you guys next time thank you terrible